I urge all Americans who supported me to join me in not just congratulating him, but offering our next president our goodwill and earnest effort to find ways to come together, to find the necessary compromises to bridge our differences and help restore our prosperity, defend our security in a dangerous world, and leave our children and grandchildren a stronger, better country than we inherited. Whatever our differences, we are fellow Americans. And please believe me when I say, no association has ever meant more to me than that. Welcome to 10 Minutes on Democracy. That moment of democracy inspiration was from Senator McCain's concession speech in the 2008 presidential election, reminding us of the power of an enduring belief in democracy, even in the face of electoral loss. I'm Jason Franklin, senior advisor at One for Democracy, and today is Tuesday, November 30th. Moving from 2008 to today, let's talk about what's up and not up on the docket this week as the Senate is back in session. The approaching finish line for redistricting, a quick clarification, on the new Supreme Court hearing on the North Carolina voter ID law, the unexpectedly limited impact so far of Trump's endorsements, and the first data showing the impacts of new voter suppression laws that have been passed around the country this year. So first up, the Senate came back in session after their Thanksgiving break. This week, they're focused on a bunch of fiscal measures, which looks like it means that the For the People Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Act are likely still on pause. Instead, Congress must fund the government before it runs out of funds on Friday, which appears that it will be done through an extension bill to fund the government through January. It must raise the debt ceiling. It must pass a defense authorization bill to fund the military. And they're hoping to pass the Build Back Better Act, which was passed by the House in tandem with the infrastructure measure signed into law on November 15th. It's a bunch of big measures to be passed on the finance front. But what it does mean is that voting rights is again being pushed back and the impact and potential impact of those bills to improve the quality of our elections next year get ever more limited as we get delays in passing those bills. Moving from the Senate down to the states, let's talk about redistricting. Uh, More maps are being finalized around the country. Fights over partisan and racial gerrymandering, though, are continuing on many fronts. So far, it looks like Republican-controlled redistricting in many states will likely shift enough seats to the right. The Democrats could lose the House simply on the basis of newly drawn maps alone, not to mention the historical headwinds that a sitting president's party generally faces in a midterm election and Biden's current low popularity. However, we won't know the final maps for a couple more months. In September, Oregon was actually the first state to complete legislative and congressional redistricting. The new maps, which were approved by the Democratic-controlled legislature there, were quickly challenged in court by Republicans. But last Monday, the state Supreme Court issued the first legal decision regarding new maps enacted following the release of 2020 census data. And they found that the maps in Oregon did not violate the Oregon Constitution um, and were not unfairly gerrymandered. While that's a victory for Democrats in Oregon, it also may indicate the challenges elsewhere against partisan gerrymandering may have a hard time being raised. So a lot more court decisions to come in the many months that we'll be following this. Uh, You're going to be hearing almost every week about the slow and steady updates about redistricting from me. 
Also on the legal front, the U.S. Supreme Court agreed on Wednesday to hear a case about the new North Carolina voter ID law, which requires voters to show a photo ID to cast a ballot. Now, when it was passed, it was immediately challenged by the state conference of the NAACP, which argued that the law disproportionately impacts African-American and Latino voters, and it was not in effect in the 2020 election due to ongoing legal challenges. But I'm bringing up this case right now to clarify that it's actually not likely to result in a ruling about photo IDs for voting, um, which I've already seen reported and I've heard questions about already. Instead, this case really focuses on who can act as an agent of the state to defend a law and a divided government. Republican legislators are seeking to defend the state's strict voter ID law because they think the Democratic state attorney general is not adequately representing their interests. A decision is expected next, by next June and could have major implications in our hyper-partisan political moment, where Democrats often have a better chance to control statewide offices rather than legislatures due to the concentration of their voters in major cities. So expect a decision after June about the voter ID law instead, but this one is around who can challenge and who can defend laws on behalf of the state. Another important but more nuanced piece to understand about the workings of our election system. Moving on to the election front itself, a lot of reflections are emerging right now about Trump's endorsements in the wake of Sean Parnell bowing out of the Pennsylvania Senate race after losing custody of his children in a court case last week. Trump's endorsement of Parnell was seen as a poorly vetted because he reportedly didn't even know about the domestic violence accusations Parnell was facing. It also frankly failed to clear the field for him in the Republican primary. And now that primary is facing a reset with just a few months to go for perhaps the most critical open race in the Senate this cycle. But just as Trump's endorsement in Pennsylvania failed to have the expected impact, reflections are pouring in about how his endorsements overall are not having the expected results. His endorsed candidates in Alabama, Alaska, and North Carolina are also struggling. In Alaska, despite Trump's endorsement of her challenger, Murkowski had a 20-point lead in October and 10 times the amount of cash on hand. In North Carolina, majority of Republicans last month said that the former president's preference would make no difference in who they support. And the Republican candidates without Trump's endorsements are leading in fundraising in North Carolina and also in Alabama. Now, his endorsement did help Herschel Walker in Georgia, and he's backing several incumbents as well. But so far, his endorsement in contentious primaries hasn't had the expected impact. What remains to be seen is how his endorsements will impact races that are farther down the ballot or lower profile. And unlike many past presidents, he's moving way down ballot. For example, in Michigan, he's now endorsed in the attorney general and secretary of state races against two Republican congressional incumbents who voted for his impeachment and also for seven Michigan state house and state senate seats all of whom have made election administration and investigating last year's votes central to their platforms. Many indications are that he has made the big lie his primary vetting tool, and frankly that he's hoping to shift legislatures to potentially overthrow elections in his favor in 2024 if he doesn't win. In Michigan, all of his endorsees have called for investigations into the 2020 election, despite the fact that the Republican-led review of the 2020 election found that there was no fraud. They're also all calling for changes in election laws. One has even said that anyone engaged in election fraud should, quote, face a firing squad. 
And finally, getting to those changes in election laws, we're seeing the first data about the impact of new voter suppression laws from Georgia's elections earlier this month. So the new data coming out shows that over half of all absentee ballot application rejections were caused by voters requesting ballots within the last 11 days before the election, too late to meet the requirements of the new voting law passed in March. And only a quarter of the people whose applications were rejected ended up voting on election day. So three quarters of them just didn't vote. In past elections, voters could request absentee ballots up until the Friday before an election. While even some voting advocates do say that Friday before an election was too short a time frame, all voting right advocates have argued against the almost two-week deadline, which has been imposed just to make it harder to vote. Not only was that the biggest reason for rejections, the second largest cause of absentee application rejections also stemmed from the new voting law. Missing or incorrect ID information accounted for 15% of denied ballot requests. So almost 70% of all ballot rejections came from the new law. In addition to shortening the absentee ballot request deadline and requiring additional forms of ID, the Georgia law also put limitations on remote voting by restricting ballot boxes, but data on these impacts are harder to calculate, so we don't know yet what that looks like. Altogether, election officials rejected 4% of absentee ballot requests for this year's municipal elections, compared to just 1% last year, so quadruple the number. And in a tight election, those margins could define victory and defeat, which is exactly what many voting rights advocates have feared that these new voting suppression laws can make the marginal difference that in so many close races that actually could shift the impact and the outcome of an election based on changing how people can vote and who can vote. So not the most inspiring or uh, uplifting update, but important for us to pay attention to how these changes are happening in our democracy. That's what I've got for this week's review. I expect that as we're back now from the Thanksgiving break, it'll be a very busy week and we'll have a lot to share next week. But until then, I'm Jason Franklin, and thank you for listening to 10 Minutes on Democracy.